Jacob, whose love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the God of Moses, the one who opened up the ocean. I need you now to do the same thing for me. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages. I'm standing on your faithfulness, on your faithfulness. I'm calling on the God of Mary, whose favor rests upon the lowly. I know with you all things are possible. I'm calling on the God of David, who made a shepherd boy courageous. I may not face Goliath, but I've got my own giants. So God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now, how I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness, on your faithfulness. Oh God, my God, I need you, oh God, my God. Oh, rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness, on your faithfulness. You heard your children you hear your children now because you are the same god you are the same god you answered prayer then and you still answer now you are the same god you are the same god you moved in power then you can move in power now Cause you are the same God, you are the same God. You were a healer then, you are a healer now. You are the same God, you are the same God. You were a savior then, you are a 
the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you are faithful, God. Oh, God, my God, I need you. Oh, God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh, rock, oh, rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness, on your faithfulness. Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me thine all and all. Jesus paid it all, all to
my garments white in the blood of Calvary's lamb. Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Sing. 
struck wonder at the mention of your name. Jesus, your name is power.
there is a blood that cost a life that paid my way death its prize and when it flowed down from the cross my sins were gone my sins forgot there is a grave that found a hide this precious blood that gave me life but in three days he breathed again and he rose to stand in my defense so I come to tell you he's alive to tell you that he
of blood that tries to hide this precious blood that gave me life. Come on, baby. Oh, but in three days, he rose again. And he stands to stand in my defense, in your defense. So I come to tell you he's alive, to tell you that he's rise. to that. What can wash away my sins? Oh, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus.
you for the offering today. I don't know, some of you are too young to remember 911, but those that are here, it's been 21 years. I know where I was at. I know exactly what I was doing when it happened. And I know my father worked, he was in World War II, and Carl was, and I think when you look at your country being attacked, it's, my dad said it was the saddest day of his life to see his own country attacked that way. But you know what? We still, I would rather live in this generation than any generation. I don't care what they're doing after. Because see, Jesus is coming soon. And it's our generation to stand up. It ain't my father and mother. They're already gone. It's my generation. It's your generation. Make the stand. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the name of Jesus. He's the answer to all things. Life, death, anything that you got a problem with, he's the answer. Praise God. Are you glad to be in God's house this morning? Are you thankful for the blood of Christ in your life? Have you applied the blood of Christ to your life today? Do you really know him? Are you thankful that his compassions fail not and that his mercies new every morning? Because if you know Christ, you get that every morning when you wake up. His compassion never changes and His love for us never fails. We ought to be so thankful for that this morning. We should be the happiest people walking on the face of this earth. But there's those out there that they don't know the compassion. They don't know the love of God. And i got a word for you today, and it's not going to be all that easy, but a lot of it is. But where's the compassion for the church, for the lost, for those that are outside this building today? They need you and I to reach out to them. They need the love of Christ, that hand of fellowship, and that hand of love, that, that compassion needs to be given to them. That's what God's been burning in me for, for a couple of months. And I kept fighting with stuff and I kept wrestling with things. And then I kept, as many of you know, I went over to Uganda here back in, back in June on that mission trip. And I don't know if you've ever been to a place such as that, but when you see those kind of things and you see people that literally have nothing and they're living in little grass mud huts and houses and they have nothing but they have the love of Jesus and they're the happiest people you've ever seen in your life and you've come home to those that have $400,000 homes and drive whatever they want to drive and they're the most miserable people in the world and I thank God why is that? 
sometimes we think our blessings are blessings. And honestly, Pastor Tim, I think sometimes they're curses. <laughs> we get our focus off of the things of God. We get our minds off of the things of Christ. We, we come to church every Sunday, Sue. And we love God. We love Jesus. We're saved. Partially sanctified. He's still working on most of us. He's still working on me for that. I've not made it there yet. But I think we get our eyes off of what Christ truly wants us to be all about. This book from cover to cover is about the blood of Jesus, about His compassion on us, about the redemption story, and about all those that were sent out to tell everybody else about what God had done, what He had done when He hung His Son on that cross, the freedom and the forgiveness that was in that. But what's, what's our part in that? What's your role in that today? Every one of us have a mission field. Whether it's your work, whether it's going to Africa, it's in your home, it's in your family, wherever it is, we've all got a place we need to be witnessing for Christ. We've all got a place that God's trying to use us. And I think somewhere along the way, We've, we've took our armor off and we've laid it down and we don't bring up those things anymore because it stirs up too much strife. It gets people in our families mad at us. It makes some of them not really want to speak to us anymore. But if you get that seed planted into them, if you get that part done, if you step up and you do that, and, but it has to be done with compassion. It has to be done with love. It has to be done with a heart that is going forth because you know they're lost. You know they're living as lost. You know some that's been saved that's backslidden away from God. You have the ability and the command to reach out to them. Tim, you have no idea what you just stood up there and the words that you spoke when you was praying over the offering there. But that's exactly where I'm going. It's true. When I, when I was over in Uganda, God really takes people and He takes... I don't consider myself a missionary like the Brother Roser that was here the other day. I'm not. But when God gives you a heart for missions and He sends you to places to let you see the broken and the truly lost, those that are just down and out and has nothing, it changes your heart. He didn't send me there to change them. He sent me there for them to change me. He sent me there for, to open my eyes a little deeper to where I could see and have that compassion passion for the lost and for those around me because it's so easy to get caught up in our day-to-day -day lives and just go on about things and we're not, not naturally doing anything that's maybe wrong but we might not be doing what's right. We might not be doing what God has put us there to do. Because believe you me, those people have helped me way more than I've ever been able to help them. My money can only go so far. At some point that dollar runs out. But the love of Christ and the compassion that I see for them people, their compassion to serve those that are around them that are lost. They have literally nothing, but they will beg, borrow, and almost steal, if that's what it takes, to get to the next village to, sell, to tell somebody about the love of Christ. And that's really changed my heart. It's changed my life. It's changed my outlook on how I look at them over there and how I look at things here. And then when I read in, in the scriptures... When Christ, there are so many scriptures in our Bible. If you'll just pick it up and read it, it's filled with compassion from cover to cover. 
The word compassion, it means a, a suffering with another, a painful sympathy, a sensation of sorrow that's excited by the distress or the misfortunes of others. Compassion is a mixed passion. It's a compound of love and sorrow. And I'm sorry I'm getting so worked up. My snout's starting to leak. Sorry. 1 Corinthians 13, 2, and you don't got to turn there. It says, if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move great mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. I'm going to tell you something. I've seen it over there, and I've seen it over there for sure. When you go in somewhere, and you go in the name of Christ, and you go to minister to folks, let me tell you, those that are down and out, those that do not know the love of Christ, they still know whether you're a fake and a fraud. They know if you're there to spread the gospel, or they know if you're just there to say, I've done something for the Lord. They can see right through you. They know if you know Christ. They know what you are there to do. And I have seen that so many times over there and heard from them that men come through their villages and all they're looking for is money and fame. They're in the wrong place, honey, if they're looking for money because there ain't none there. There ain't none there. But yet you got these foolish people that call themselves missionaries and they're over there parading around in these big cars and stuff that they can afford and buy and those people look at them as foolish. And let me tell you something, they are. Your money is never going to win nobody to Christ. But your money and all your other things that God blesses you with, it can be used for the gospel, to spread the gospel to win those to Christ. But you showing off and, and great things and, and all this, it'll never win a lost soul to God. It never will. It never will because those that are broken, those that need a lift up, they don't need to see you high and lifted up. They need to see him high and lifted up because that is the only one. Christ Jesus is the only one that can save them. He's the only one that can make a way. Sue, he's the only one that shed his blood that can pay our sin debt. It's true, Shiloh. Jesus paid it all, but he left a job for us to do that when we come to know him, we need to walk forward for him. We need to be reaching out to the lost. We need to be giving them that hand of compassion passion, not looking down on them because they're a drunk, not looking down on them because they're hooked on drugs, but looking down on them in need, just like he looked down on us. Before he saved us, we were in that same condition. So what gives us a right to look down on them and to not have compassion and love in our hearts for them? Not to condemn them, not to kick them on down. They need a hand up. They need a lift up. You know, when I went to Uganda back in June, oh, hell threw everything they had at me, I, I think, almost. I'm sure he's probably still got some in reserve, but I don't, you know you're on the right path when your body starts getting racked with pain, and then everybody starts telling, oh, Lord, I can't tell you the ones from this church that said, you sure you really ought to go? This world's a crazy place right now. You sure you ought to go? And I just sat there and think in the back of my mind, Sue, everybody I read about in that book, guess what? They went through a lot of sorrow. They went through a lot of pain. They went through a lot of stuff they didn't want to go through. But they knew that the love of Jesus Christ had to be spread. And it had to go from here to there to here to there. And that's going to take me into where I'm going to go. It's in Matthew, in the uh, book of Matthew, the ninth chapter. And exactly what Tim said when he was up here praying over, over the offering. 
truly the fields are. They're full. They're full. They're full everywhere. But what are we doing as a church? What are you doing as an individual? We all have an accountability to God. Not only just as full gospel assembly, but each and every one of us have a personal accountability. Every one of us, like I said, has a mission field. Every one of us have giftings and callings that God has given us. If we're truly saved and we're on our way, He's doing something in you. And He's trying to get you to do something for Him. The question is, are you doing it? That's the question. You know, as I got on that plane leaving to go over there, and, and I know it, it breaks my, my heart, my wife's heart. It really does. She doesn't, she doesn't want to see me leave. She doesn't want to see me go. But see, God has put a compassion and something in me that says, you've got to go. You've got to go. I'll take care of her, and I'll take care of you. Just go. Just go. Because there are ones over there. And I don't really know how to explain it all the way 100% to make sense of it. I, I am not the most eloquent speaker, and I'm definitely not the smartest one among us. But there is something about those people that when they see one of us come all the way from America, they think there's something so special about us. And I think, Lord, if you just knew me like Jesus knows me, you wouldn't think so highly of me. The women over there, they want to come, and they bow down, and they get on the ground. And I thought, uh-uh, not this time. That happened in 2018, and the group I was with said, oh, don't say nothing to them. That's their tradition, and that's their way. Well, bless God, that might be their way, but it ain't my way because I ain't no king, and I'm not high and lifted up. So this time, I got down on the ground with them. I said, look, I'm just like you. I'm just like you. I had to have Christ. You need Christ. You need him to help you. You need him to provide your provision and everything else. I'm no better than you. I don't care if you live in this little five-foot circle with five kids and you don't have no husband. Jesus Christ died for you and he loves you just as much as he loves me. And you know what, Tim? They didn't see through that. God showed me that on the way over there. He said, it's not about no... I was worried to death. Because they had said, look, we've got this all together. You're going, you're going to teach in these leaders' conferences and all this stuff. And I said, Lord, me? You want me to teach leaders and pastors? I ain't the one for the job, Lord. That's what I said to him. But as I got there, the Lord just started filling me up. And he started giving me these things. And you know what? All it was, all it was was a simple message. Don't be trying to give them big, deep things. They don't need that. It was to preach and teach a simple message. And then after I talked them guys over here for a couple hours and over there for two or three hours, I can't tell you the ones that come up and said, you know, we watched those guys and we watched those big American evangelists on YouTube and, and on this and that. And their, their messages have us kind of mixed up because they, they talk about money a lot and they talk about this a lot. I said, get your eyes off of those American evangelists that are talking about those things. Get your eyes back on Christ. It broke my heart the first place we ever spoke. When I got done, there were about 70 pastors and leaders there. Over 30 of them didn't even have a Bible. They got one now. 
they got one now because we made sure they got one. And I started thinking about that, and I was sitting there scratching my head, and I said, Lord, how in the world are they going around from village to village doing all these things that you're talking about, and they don't even have a Bible? And he said, well, if you had looked right back when we were walking around and doing all those things, and when I sent out Peter and I sent out John and all them, and Paul was going around, they were getting downloads as they want. They wasn't reading no book. They wasn't reading no book. But I think it's better for them to have it. So we got them one. And I thank God for his compassion. See, he had compassion and grace on us to give us enough to provide for them. I, I don't know. And I'm, I'm going to take just a, a short little minute here. Do you have that ready, uh, Cole? Cole's got just a little bitty video, Pastor. And I hope it's okay to show. It's, it's, I mean, it's very short. But it's, this is what God has placed in my spirit and in my heart, this is this is my life. This is what's driving me now. I, I'm not I'm, I'm not saying God God has never said, "Look, you're going over there to stay." I've never heard him say that. And hey, I don't know that he that he might not. I don't know, but I know he's gave me such a compassion and such a love for Pastor Mark and Henry over there and what those guys do, and Pastor Jonas, which you know, I got that we had the men's conference was at Pastor Jonas's church. In that little village, Sue and Andy support the kids that's right outside of that village. That, and they know Pastor Jonas there. And that hits, that's whose church I was at over there. Um, but we have started a little ministry thing. I and myself have started. Uh, and we're connected with Pastor Mark over there. And, and we've, we're building a, a little place there for the children. Mark goes out and he takes children off the streets. He gets abandoned children, those that have done and been through unspeakable things that I won't even share with you today. And we built them a little place there that's called Hope Village. It's three little buildings that they don't look like much, and you ain't even going to see much in the video, really. But God was so much there, and His presence was so overwhelming at the help, just the medical help that they were able to receive See, when I got to reading in the book, you know, everywhere Jesus went, he had compassion on them. Everywhere he went, he always made sure they had something to eat. And I'm not stupid. I know it's about the gospel. But it's a lot easier to get somebody to listen to you when they're sitting there and their belly's got a little something in it. And they're not, you know, have not eaten for three or four days. They're over there dying every day of malaria and starvation. And when I say they, I mean the ones that Mark and them knows. He tries to save some of them and get them in, but unfortunately sometimes there's just not enough. There's just not enough, so that's where our compassion kicked in to try to help them as much as we can and to send them whatever we can to help them because their heart is about lost souls. Their mission is about spreading the compassion of Jesus Christ. And anyway, he runs so hard. I tell him all the time, son, you need to take a break. You're going to run yourself in the ground because he goes around the clock. But he does just what these passages here read. And I, I just, I just want to share this with you because it's really been on my heart. Go ahead and play that for a second, Cole. It's short. It, it won't take long. And it's, it's a homemade video that them guys did from still pictures trying to put it together as a video. So it's, it's not perfect. <laughs> it's not perfect. But this is where we went. An unseen hand is going to be the name of our ministry.
that's the well we put in for them there at Hope Village. people standing behind that camera is probably two to three hundred people and there's over about four thousand that go there daily and use that well they were drinking from the nastiest place that you've ever seen in your life before that well was able to be put in all those wearing those gray shirts are pastors and leaders that took me around everywhere and stay with me while I'm there that young lady accepted Christ. That lady already knew Christ. But she loved us anyway. That lady didn't even want to look at me because she felt like she was so below me. She couldn't believe somebody would come all that way to see her. That little lady was an absolute trip. She was filled with the Holy Ghost, saved, but she was having so many family problems. Her children had walked out, and her children had left, and, and then wouldn't have anything to do with her. And she sits back there in a little five-by-six little hut and just prays for them and prays for them. But she said, you know what? I praise the Lord that he sent somebody all the way this way to tell me that it was going to be okay. That trip was something else, and I was by myself, as far as physical, by myself. I pray next time I go back, some of you guys go with me. It, might, it would be a little more enjoyable for me if you went with me. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to uh, chapter 9 of Matthew and verse 35. And it says, and it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. 
But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray you therefore that the Lord of the harvest, that he will send laborers into his harvest. Tim, that's exactly what you stood up here and prayed for. That's exactly what I've been praying for. As I'm telling you, not only over there are the fields ripe for the harvest and the laborers are few. There wasn't many that were willing to go. There were a couple that wanted to go and could not go for physical and other reasons. And I praise God that in their heart that they wanted to go. And I'm not saying that all of you need to go over there. But as that might be my mission field, your mission field might be right down the street. What are you doing in that mission field? Are you speaking up? Are you sharing the love of Christ with them? Or are you overlooking them? Are you just stepping around them every day? Because I know I've done it. I know I've been working with some that are as lost as a day is long. And the devil will tell you, they ain't going to listen to you. They ain't going to pay no attention to you. You know how evil they are, how foolish they are. And you know what? I've got to the point I said, yeah, devil, and I know how evil I used to be. And I know how foolish I used to be. And I know how far down I was because he had to reach. When he gave me a hand, Matthew, he had to reach way down for me to get me because I was way down there. You and I have got a calling in our life, and we've got a mission field. We need to get ourselves in gear because as these days draw near and as, as they get darker and all the things that Sue was talking about, these that's getting in power, it's going to get darker and it's going to get harder to witness. So if you won't do it now, you ain't going to do it then. So I'd get some practice now while there's still plenty of light out there, while it's a little bit easier to get around and to do. Do it now because our days are drawing to a close. We don't know when the last time we're going to see each other. When's the last time one of us might leave here? We've got to get out of our hearts what we can get out. We've got to get connected to Christ. We've got to get connected to what He's done. And we've got to share His compassion with the lost. Not just in our church. We've got a wonderful church. And I know we love people. And we love one another. It is evident here. It is evident here. It's not evident in some others that I've been in. But God's been dealing with me about getting it outside of the church, getting it to those that need it. There's some of you in here today. You keep hearing me say, I'm sorry, my nose keeps running. I'm sorry, I'm trying. Some of you may not be familiar with the terms of what it means to be saved and lost. If I'm saying lost, I mean you're without Christ today. You're without God. You don't know his redemptive power. You've never asked him for his forgiveness. He has compassion for you today. He had compassion on me, and he had compassion on all these other ones that are sitting around here, the ones you see raising their hands, and you see them crying and everything else. You see that because they know the compassion and the love of God. They've been forgiven, and I was forgiven much, very much. So if you don't know him today, you're the one that I'm speaking to. You're the lost one that I'm trying to reach out to here today because you need to be saved. You need to have a relationship with him. You need to quit playing church and coming in here and out of here and in and here and out of here. Religion will not save you. Only a person relationship with Jesus Christ will save you. And it takes yourself humbling yourself on your knees in front of a God that loves you, that's filled with compassion. It says his compassions fail not. His mercies are new every morning. So he has compassion and love for you today. And he wants to save you today just like he wants to send that saved one out. To bring another lost one in. He loves us so much. But these churches around the church in general. I'm not talking about our church. 
they preach some of the biggest junk and lies and garbage you've ever seen in your life. They have these transvestites and these drag queens. Look them up online and watch them if you don't believe me. They're on there and they're preaching. They're standing behind the holy desk saying God loves everybody. That God loves them. That they're all going to heaven. I got news for you. These fields are ripe with harvest for one reason. And that's to go out and to preach the message of the cross. The message that Jesus Christ gave his life. That his blood is the only thing that can cleanse us from our sins. And every one of us are bound by those sins before we come to Christ. None of us are able to get there on our own. We know that, so why don't we share that with every one we come across? I know I've let God down in the past, and I've had something that's been right before me, and I've let the devil talk me out of witnessing to him. I've let this flesh say they don't, they don't care to hear a thing you've got to say. But I want to tell you, share this with you too. I, I, as I've been praying over this, and praying over, ask, I, I mean, I kind of knew what was already on my heart. And as soon as Tim asked me, this was, was exactly what I went to. Uh, it's just what God put in my heart. But once I started praying about it after he asked me last Sunday, I thought, Lord, you know what? I've not been paying that much attention since I've been back home. You know, I went over there, and it was great. We had some saved, and we had a lot of people helped. And then, you know, when you get back home, it's easy to say, well, I've been over there, and I... I've done that for God. I'm going to sit back in my easy chair a little bit. And I started praying. I said, God, I know there's those that come out to my little business. And I've got a little bitty garage out there that it ain't worth nothing. And it ain't no nice place. But it's a place to work. And God sent me a driver Tuesday morning from Toyota that was as lost as the day is long. And he come in there mad because it rained and my parking lot's not perfect so it's got a big mud hole and he stepped right in it Duran. wet feet all day long so I understood his aggravation and there was words coming out of his mouth that I thought Lord and about that time and I'm sitting there getting in my flesh pretty good saying if he don't shut up here pretty soon I'm going to have to say something to him and about that time God said yeah you do need to say something to him you need to share, share me with him Quit getting mad at him because you used to talk just like him. I thought, oh, Lord. So here's this man, and he's rushing around, and he's got a list, and he's got a van full of parts, and he needs to go, 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 go. That's all I'm hearing out of him. But for 30 minutes, he stood there, and he gave me his whole life story. He gave me how his dad was a real piece of garbage, in his words. How he had a son out of wedlock years ago that won't have nothing to do with him. How he used to go to church, and now he don't. See, God opened that door just through praying over this message. And that man stood there and listened to everything I had to say. And he thought he was saved. Yeah, I get up, I pray every morning, I pray before I go to bed. And I just had to be very frank with him. I said, let me tell you something. The very first next prayer you need to be praying is asking Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and the way you've been living and the things you've been doing. And this is a great big man. And I'm waiting any time for him to smack me upside my head and tell me to shut up. But the Holy Spirit was there, Duran, and he just kept encouraging me. And I just kept saying things. And I thought, oh, Lord, you've got a work here to do. It ain't about me, and it ain't about you. The only way you can have 
compassion for the lost and speak to those that are around you is when you get to focus off of yourself, off of your family, off of your life, off of your finances, off of everything you've got, and you focus them on the cross and on Christ. And as soon as you do that, he'll start putting people in front of you. He'll bring the lost to you. And then all you've got to do is share your testimony. All you've got to do is tell them what Jesus did. It's not hard. He made this so easy that little children can do it. Have you you've ever heard out of the mouths of babes? Have you ever been corrected by a little child? I have. It's awful. <laughs> but it happens. But it's awful. I'm sorry. My nose is running like a... I don't know what. I haven't even got into a part of my message yet, but I guess that's good too. I wrote down a little note last night. It says that we have to leave our comfort zone to truly follow and serve Jesus Christ. It's hard to grow your faith inside your comfort zone. I found that out, you know, in 2018. And I'm having a hard time. I can't even think of his name. When the brother called up and, and, and asked you, did anybody want to go to Uganda? I can't even think of his name. Yep. I knew the Lord was speaking to me, and I thought, Lord, there, you, you got to be talking to somebody else. I've never even been on an airplane. I sure ain't going to get my little white hunting in on one and go 21 hours away. And I wrestled with that. I knew, I knew God was saying go, but I thought, Lord, I can't go. I don't have the money. I'm scared to death of flying. And I don't want to go. Guess who won? It wasn't me. I thank God that he broke me down enough. See, we got to get to a place. Remember when I gave you the definition of compassion? You got to have a brokenness. And you've got to have a desire to reach the lost. God's got to break you. And you've got to allow him to break you. And get you to the point where he can use you. Because if you go off half cocked and you go in there and you're riding high above the clouds and you've got yourself high and lifted up and you're just this super Christian, there's nobody going to listen to you and you're never going to win nobody to Christ. You are never going to reach nobody with that kind of attitude. And I had to have my attitude changed. I've had to have it checked a bunch. Still today, Dave, I still got to have that done sometimes, you know. Sometimes I think we get, we get on our way a little while and we think... Well, I'm, I'm pretty good. That Novair needs a lot of work. Has that ever entered your mind before? It has mine. And then I sit down, and usually it ain't about 15 minutes later. I'll do something so stupid or, or say something I shouldn't have said or somebody will cut me off and I want to run them down the road. And, and God says, see, without my compassion and my grace on you, but there go you. Amen. So we've got to reach them for the loss. God's desire is for us to get full of Him through His Word. And then once you get full of Him and through His Word, see, then He'll send you out. Then He'll send you to those lost sheep. Jesus said over there, I'm trying, I'm sorry, I, I, uh, I had some things wrote down that, uh, that I don't think I'm going to go there today. Uh, seems like I'm kind of changing some things. God's changing some things, and that's just fine. I just hope I hear Him. Correctly, I've got a couple of notes here. Um, over in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 34, 6, and you don't got to turn there. I'm just going to read the scripture for you. I, I, I want you to see and understand that God's heart is broken. His heart was broken for you and me. 
and his heart is still broken for all those that are outside this church that are lost. And we wonder why they do the things that they do and, and all this stuff and, and why they profess one thing and they do another thing. I want to tell you something. And Brother DJ says it all the time. He said it's because they're lost. They don't know that they're lost. And that's why I wanted to tell you before, you know, because I know today by the Spirit of God there's some here that's lost. There's some of you here today that you need to make a decision for Christ. You need to decide today whether you believe the blood of Jesus Christ saves and that He forgives and that He has compassion on you or you're going to turn around and walk right back out of here lost. There is only two kinds of people in this world and that's the ones that are either saved or you're lost. There is no gray area. There's only one dividing line and it's the cross. Either you're on that side or you're not. But in Ezekiel 34, 6, God's heart was so broken after all these things had just come to pass. He said, My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did seek or search for them. Church, when I read that, that just broke my heart. And I said, Lord, you're talking to us. You're talking to your church. You're talking to the ones that know you and love you. And we see this lost and dying world around us and we're not doing anything about it. That's hard to take, ain't it? But I'm not going to apologize. God's got on me about that two or three times and so is Sue. <laughs> and she's right. You've said don't apologize for what you say up here. And I'm not apologizing. I know it's not always an easy word, but when we've been given the grace of God and that compassion has come into our lives, why or who are we not to send that on to the other ones that are around us? Those that are in our family, those that are in our workplace, they need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. What are you afraid of losing? Are you afraid of losing your job or losing a little money or you might not have this or have that? If you think the God of this world, Christ that gave his life for you, he can save you and redeem you, you don't think he can replace something if you lose it he's the one that gave it to you in the first place it's not you it's not about your gifts and your callings and your talents and all these things if you're a child of God he is the one making provision for you I know there's lost people out there that's got more money than they can count and they're falling off the face of this earth in death they're going to go through death hell and Hades is going to be their home the devil can bless you just as much as God can bless you with money and things of this world don't forget he is the what of this world so don't think he can't do it too because he can. But the true blessings of God, the true things that God has given you, if it were to happen, if he were to allow it to be taken from you, don't worry about it because he's got something better. If he's got to take you out of that big house and put you in a little bitty house so you learn his ways, he'll do it. Accept it. Don't reject it. Don't get mad at God because you, you lost those things. These material things that we have, they are only temporary. Are you laying up things? Are you laying up your treasure in heaven? Or are you laying your treasure up down here at Fifth Third? Fifth Third ain't going to get you far. Those things will be burned up in the last days. Huh? All of it. So why are we working so hard for them? If we work just as nearly as hard for God at winning lost souls as we do for filling our refrigerators and filling our bellies and getting the newest and latest gadget and all these other things. Can you imagine the souls that we'd see one for Christ? 
That's what I want to see today. That's what I want, to, want us to do as a church. The disciples gave, they gave their very lives. Every one of them, when you go back and you read through that New Testament, every one of them gave their very lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Literally. Not only while they were working in these fields and they were going out into this harvest, Jesus, everywhere he went, and I could see myself right in this when I read this because we did the exact same thing in Uganda. We went from village to village to village doing this and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and seeing those give their, their lives to Christ and witnessing things that I had never witnessed and going places that I probably never went, would have went if I knew what was going on there. But see, Mark and the Holy Spirit didn't disclose that stuff to me. We went into places and I'm telling you there's things that's still going on today back in behind their little huts and things and they've got symbols and signs, Bobby, that they'll paint on the back of theirs because they don't want it out front. And they're there and they're doing the most devilish things and they still they sacrifice children. They do all these types of things over there. And what was we doing? We was walking right amongst them, right with them, trying to, trying to convert them over to Christ. They are Muslims, but they are also Muslims that's in other cults. One of them's name is Bashaka or something like that and they do these things and they offer up sacrifices. And if they've got a child that's born with a big cleft lip or there's something wrong with it in the head, it is more reasonable for them they offer that child up as sacrifice had I known that I'd have probably been a little bit scared and I may not have went Steve I might have not have went down that road but you know what after I got back and I learned all these things I'm thinking you either believe God or you don't he's either got your back or he don't so you know what I don't worry about them things no more Bobby if I lose my life over there See you. I'll see you when you get there if you make it. I feel sorry, you know, for my, my wife, but God will probably give her another man or, a, you know, a better man or whatever. I'm not worried about it no more, Tim. If you go, you go. You know what? If you die serving Christ, what, is, what other way is there to go? I'd much rather do that than be sitting out on a boat somewhere fishing or, you know, just minding my own little business. And doing what's pleasing and nice to me. That boy needs to learn how to be quiet in church. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Guys, I got a couple of quotes. And I'm telling you, I was sitting there and I was going back and I was reading some things. And I was reading some missionary quotes and some, some things about missionaries. Because brother, brother Mark Roser, he, he really stirred me up, you know. And I got... I don't really even know him. My wife's reading his book, and as soon as she gets done reading it, I'm going to read it. But, I mean, praise God. you got a fervent love for God like that, that you'll go into a place like India. You know, there's a lot of places in Africa that's dangerous. But let me tell you, there's a, there's a lot of places right down the street that's dangerous. If you love God and he's given you a calling on your life, you need to answer it. He had his compassion on you, and it's time for you to turn your compassion over to others. I don't even want anybody in here to raise their hands, but I often wonder how many of my brothers and sisters in Christ that's ever led another person to Christ. I read that somewhere, and I got, you know, that hit home, and I got to thinking, you know, I, I know a lot of people that they go to church every Sunday, and they, they seem to be... They, they seem to have a relationship with Christ, but they don't want to share Christ. They don't want to talk about Christ. Something's wrong. So maybe they don't know Christ. So maybe those very ones that we're wondering about why 
Sometimes they're not out witnessing. Maybe you need to be converted yourself. Maybe you need to, just a thought. Charles Spurgeon once said this. He said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Oh, somebody said, oh. How? I said that too. <laughs> oh. I said, those are some bold words, but those are some bold words with a lot of truth. Because if you're afraid, Jesus said over there, you know, if you tell others about Christ and, and you witness to them about that, that he'll tell that, you know, and bring that forth to the Father. But if you deny him, that he'll deny you. There's a lot of truth to that. And there was one other lady here, and I'm going to close with this, I think, because it, th this was... This was really where I was at right before I left to go over there. I had so many, I mean Christians, good, rooted, grounded Christians. Because our flight had got canceled, the, the walking thing and my ankle and all them other things started. And they're like, don't you think you are just stay home? And I thought, yeah, get behind me, Satan. I didn't say that to him like Jesus did to Peter, but I was thinking that. This lady says the missionary's heart. It says that we ought to care more than some think is wise. We ought to risk more than some think is safe. We ought to dream more than some think is practical. And we ought to expect more than some think is possible. We are not called to comfort or success, but to obedience. There is no joy outside of knowing Jesus and serving him. And her name was Karen Watson. I'm assuming she was a missionary lady. But I thought, you know, praise God, you know, and, and, and that's it. A lot of times, there's sometimes I'm afraid to call my wife because they'll let me know of a great need over there. And I'll think, Lord, we just sent this last week. And I call her. She's going to say, what are you thinking? And I'm thinking my heart's broke. They're in need. We've still got food. We've still got a shelter over our, over our home. We've got cars to drive. We've got gas money. How many of you woke up this morning wondering if you'd eat today? I'd say none of you. Definitely not me. See, that's their biggest obstacle, is will we eat today? But they trust God. So, you know, when that call comes in, and then sometimes I think, Lord, I, I don't know where it's going to come from, but you know what? We send it out of faith. And never one time has one bill went pay, unpaid. God always supplies more work the next week. There may not be a great abundance, but see, you've got to let go of what you've got before God can fill you up and use you. And I'm learning that now. I'm not trying to lift myself up. I'm trying to lift up Christ. So don't even look at me when I'm saying those things. I'm not lifting me up and exalting me. I'm just getting to the point where I'm finally figuring it out that I've got to be down on the bottom shelf to where people can reach me. And I've got to be able, willing to pour out everything my finances, my health, our well-being, whatever it takes. And you know, and a lot of people will tell you, well, that's kind of foolish. I don't, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Jesus said over in John 10, and I'm going to close with this. He said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand because my Father and I 
are one. Friend, if you're here today and you're saved and you're on your way to glory and you know it, get your life filled with compassion. Get closer to Jesus. Get outside of this church and start spreading the love and the word of God with your friends and your family because time is very quickly ticking away. We don't know when the last breath we're going to draw. You and I could leave here today. But the thing is, when you leave here, they're either leaving here lost and dying and going to a devil's hell, a place that was never made for them, or they're saved and they're sanctified and they're going to heaven. I know I know because he has spoken to me two or three times since I've been standing behind this pulpit that there are some here that need to give their life to Christ. If you don't know him today, I'm going to tell you something. His compassion is here for you today. His forgiveness is here for you today. You walk in and you walk out. You've been playing a role. You've been coming here for years. I don't know who in the world that I am speaking to, but you've come here for years, but you're not living a Christ-like life. You walk in and out of here and you're living as this world does. But you come in here and you think you're sanctified and you think you're on your way to heaven. But the Lord is telling you today that you are not. You need to be coming up here and you need to be forgiven. You need to accept His love and His mercy and His grace. Don't count on yourself and your goodness to get you to heaven because you have none just like I don't. We None of us have our own goodness. We are rotten to the core. Rotten to our very nature. Every one of us that's in here had to come to God by the same way. We had to humble ourselves and say, Lord, please forgive me a sinner. Please forgive me a sinner. If that's you today, as they come and get something to sing or whatever, whatever they feel they want to do. I got two calls today. A call on the saints to step up and step into that place that God's trying to push you. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. He's got your back. He's got everything there is about you. He knows your life forwards and backwards. He knows the ones he's sending you to. He knows the desires of your heart. And if there's some in there that are not good desires, he'll get rid of those and he'll replace them with his desires because they're all good. The call to the lost is you need to give your life to Christ today. You don't know. You don't know when the last time he's going to speak to you. That's just the truth. God said that his spirit may not, you know, it's not going to dwell with man forever. Every person that is left here lost, I want you to think of this. Every one of them that has left here lost. I started thinking about the rich man and Lazarus in hell. Every one of them at some point heard a pastor, a minister, a preacher, a friend, something. They had all been given the opportunity to come to Christ because they've been to a funeral, they've been to a church, they've been to somewhere where somebody has given them. And I sat, sat there and I started thinking, Lord, they, they remember that last sermon. And it keeps rolling over and over in their mind forever that I rejected him. And that's why I'm here. If you're not living right today, I, I, I would strongly suggest that you give your life to Christ. If you're, if you're burdened down and heavy with something, come and give it to Christ. Our altars are always open and they're a little cool. I'd like to see us heat them up today. The compassion of God is here for each and every one of us. If you need a closer walk with Him today, Come up and ask him to help you with it. 
And if you need to receive Him as your Lord and Savior today, come up and ask Him to do that, and He will come in and save you. And we will pray with you as they sing something. It's a foreign battlefield Where I finally find your will Lord, then that's where I long to be In the desert without a drink On some old ship about to sink Lord, I'll go if you'll just speak to me. Speak the word, Lord, my ears long to hear you. Speak the word, Lord, my heart aches to Speak the word, Lord, I'll be what you'd have me to be. Speak the word, Lord, and your servant will go. Speak the word, Lord, my ears long to hear. Speak the word, Lord, my heart aches to know. Speak the word, Lord, I'll be what you'd have me to be. Speak the word, Lord, and you serve.
Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to make steps to the place where God will speak to you. I don't know about you, but Apostle Paul said, I'm pressing toward the mark of the high calling. He said, I'm not attained yet. I'm not wretched. We're all to be made in the image of our Savior. That's who we're to be. And that's a high calling. That's a, a high place to be. You don't feel like you're high up, but you only know that when the Lord told Randy to go, he intended on speaking to him. And sometimes we don't know what God's telling us to do. Sometimes we sing the song, speak the word, but we're afraid to make a move. We're afraid to step any closer. We're afraid to step into anything. God might ask me to do something. That's what you want. You want God to speak to you. If you don't take them steps, he'll keep saying to you, surrender to me, come to me. I got a work for you to do. I think he's trying to do that to every one of us. I've not arrived yet. I don't know about you, but I ain't arrived yet. And there's always been praying this last week. I told Charlie yesterday, I've been praying, God, there's something more I should be doing, something more that you want me to do. And you know what? That's got to be in our heart because why? We've been left this gospel just like the, just like the apostles were. We're left this gospel in our generation to spread it to everyone that does not know our Heavenly Father's waiting on us that He can use us. And that compassion that you would have in your heart that you want to have, you see it in others, but you may let every circumstance in the world stand in your way. It's a battle. I know it's a battle. I'm not adding to anything. Randy said he said it with the compassion that you could tell it was God that was speaking to him. You know, when God speaks to you, nobody can get in your way. It's like he opens a door to your heart. Nobody can stop that. That comes from God, and we all want to hear from God. We want to hear him tell us what we should do next. Bring us closer to you, Lord. God's trying to move in this generation. He's trying to move upon his people. Yes, they have troubles. They're going to be a battle to fight this fight that's in this generation. But are we going to be his people? Are we going to be his children? Are we going to hear our Heavenly Father's voice? Or are we going to tuck our tail and run and hide? Only you can answer that question. I know God's speaking to hearts today. 